Hello, friends. Uh, I'm going to start a series of messages. Um, I'm going to call it Know the Foe. It's based on uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 to 17. You know, growing up in Nebraska, like uh, most people, I became a Cornhusker fan. One of the things I enjoyed most was getting my copy of the Lincoln Journal Star the day before a home football game. And it was this column called Know the Foe. And, for example, if Nebraska were playing Colorado, it would tell you everything you needed to know about Colorado so that you could beat them. Well, that's what this little series is about, too. As long as we know the foe, the devil, we can figure out how to beat them using the tools that God gives us. But, you know, it's kind of commonplace in our day to doubt the existence of the devil. A lot of people who believe in God believe not at all in the devil. When people say the devil made me do it, they mean the exact opposite. When someone says, oh, you little devil, it's meant as a kind of a compliment. And if someone means to seriously bring the devil into a polite conversation, the response is likely to be, you're not serious, are you? Well, the reasons why this should be are not hard to discover. Living as we do in a scientific age where technology reigns, medieval visions of the devil dressed in red with horns and Carrying a pitchfork seem, well, kind of old-fashioned. I mean, Satan's greatest triumph may be causing people just not to take him seriously. That may be one cause of the church's weakness. We fail to take the devil seriously. As a result, we rarely hear Satan talked about or preached about. And as a result, we are ignorant of his strategy, his power, his vast army, and his infernal plans. I mean, most of our failure can be traced to a foolish self-confidence that overestimates our own abilities and underestimates the power of our spiritual enemies. But it's amazing how much the Bible says about the devil. He appears the first time in Genesis 3 and the last time in Revelation 20. And among his many titles, he's called Satan, the devil, the serpent, the deceiver, the evil one, and the accuser of the brothers. Every New Testament writer mentions him. Jesus encountered him at the beginning and at the end of his ministry and spoke often of him. There's much we do not know, but this much is certain. In the beginning, he was an angel of God. Lifted with pride, he attempted to overthrow the Lord. Being cast out of heaven, one-third of the angels followed him. And those fallen angels we call demons. Now, where is the devil today? Well, I can tell you where he's not. He's not in hell yet. According to 1 Peter 5.8, the devil prowls around the world looking for someone to devour. Ephesians 2.2 calls him the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The New Living Translation calls him the commander of the powers of the unseen world. Yes, friends, we live on a rebel planet controlled by the devil. As followers of Jesus, we have been thrown into a spiritual conflict that rages all around us. In, in that conflict, every believer is on the front lines. All of us have been called to active duty. Now, in thinking about spiritual warfare from this perspective, I want you to keep two things in mind. One, Satan's goal is to discourage you so that you feel like giving up. And two, Satan doesn't fight fair. He does not observe the traditional rules of warfare. He uses anything and everything he can to bring us down. This is part of what Paul was talking about when he talked about the schemes of the devil in verse 11. Now, schemes might also be translated as traps or tricks or tactics. I'm reminded of a Texas politician a few years back who was asked why a certain candidate had lost an election. 
He said it happened because he forgot the first rule of knife fighting. There are no rules. See, Satan doesn't fight fair. He's a liar, a deceiver, a diabolical angel of light who comes to you in a thousand different disguises, tempting you to disobey the Lord. And he's a lot smarter than you are. He knows your weak points better than you do, and he can attack you any time of the day or night. And what is the mark of his diabolical work? Well, we face opposition from the devil when there are unusual or repeated temptations or attacks from an unexpected quarter or delays that hinder us from obeying God, or inducements to doubt God's word, or circumstances that produce unusual pressure upon us, temptations to sin in areas that had never troubled us before, prolonged bouts of discouragement, worries that seem to consume us, seductive appeals to sinful compromise, bitterness towards others, or desires to give up on the Christian life altogether, or enticements to turn away from the means of grace. Our excuses made for lack of spiritual growth or critical comments about other believers or attempt to hire, uh, hide your behavior from others. See, when we face these temptations, we may be sure that the evil one has us in his crosshairs. That's exactly the moment when we need this message from Ephesians six fourteen to 17. The text tells us how we should fight back. It says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness um, in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, Paul paints the Christian in complete armor, ready to battle with the devil. and He describes these six parts of the soldier's uniform. The belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, the helmet, the sword. He lists them in the exact order a soldier would put them on. The belt comes first because it covered the most vulnerable organs and held other pieces of armor in place. The breastplate covers the chest and upper upper abdomen. The shoes or sandals with spikes driven through the soles give the soldiers a firm foundation. The shield covers most of the soldier's body, and when the soldiers stood side by side with shields raised, it formed a solid wall against the flaming arrows of the enemy. The helmet protects his head and face, made of heavy metal with a visor. It's nothing short, nothing short of an axe or a hammer could pierce it. Now, interestingly, the sword is his only offensive weapon. It was a short, double-edged weapon, like a dagger, used in close combat to cut and thrust. Razor sharp, the soldier's sword was a deadly weapon. Each piece of armor describes a quality of life that the believer needs to survive the attacks of the devil. And starting tomorrow, we're going to take a look at each part of the armor. After all, we need to know the foe. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.